1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: Good morning, folks. Our final show of 2023, and we are fortunate to be here at Caesars New Orleans. And every time I walk into this place, I'm completely amazed by the transformation that's gone on. And our first guest is Samir Moad, the senior vice president and GM of Caesars New Orleans, who's been uh, overseeing and I guess... Um, Holds the responsibility for all of this at some point, Tom. Samir, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Newell. A uh, uh, pleasure and honor to be on, and a uh, big fan. Excited. To, uh, we've talked about this happening for a minute, and so uh, glad we finally have y'all in here, and uh, and we're able to really showcase what we're doing in the city. Uh, uh, we're excited about the project, but to your point, it's a lot about a lot more than that. We're we've stayed open and will stay open the entire time, and so. Trying to protect the, the 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 interests of the business, the jobs of all of our employees, and uh, and while we're at it, build a hotel on top of us and renovate every inch of this place, top I, to bottom. I've been
2: here about three times since the last time you and I had lunch here. Yep, and every time I come in, I actually get lost because I expect to see something somewhere and ain't there no more. <laughs> And and it's it's a lot prettier, it's a lot more beautiful, and I get myself turned around when I came in through the South Peters exit today. I got to tell you, entrance, uh, crisp, clean, vibrant, fresh, um, you name it, it's just so much more welcoming.
3: No doubt. I mean, look, we're a we're a property that opened in 2000, and so uh, you think about 23 years ago, and the transformation isn't just the newness of it and. Clearly, we're lighter and brighter, and, and and it just feels so fresh. But at the same time, uh, technology has enabled a lot of this. So as an example, we have these incredibly high ceilings that a lot of people didn't know about because we used to need drop-down soffits because 20 years ago, all we had were analog cameras, and we had to find a way to get the cameras close enough to, to the table to see the cards. And now right. you're able to open up this whole place, and... Uh, And when you take that along with the beautiful design work and the change to to Caesars from Harris, which really brings, uh, you know, kind of uh, the mix of both modern along with uh, the classic Caesars Roman feel, uh, the the reception of it by the public's been out of sight. And uh, to your point, our biggest issue is, as I said, we're trying to stay open. And so construction walls move every time we come in here and people completely lose their orientation. And I think, uh, That's going to continue to happen until uh until we get to close to labor day weekend when we'll finish all this up in 24.
2: well just to bring context to it the day that you and i had lunch they actually transformed if you recall an adjacent room to where we were at nina compton yep uh by the way the food was absolutely incredible um but while we're having lunch that they had laid the carpet. They had done so many different oh. things, and that whole room was transformed. When we walked in, it looked like a huge construction site. By the time we finished lunch, it was completely transformed. It was incredible.
3: No doubt. And with our with our uh, now Canal Street entrance mm-hmm. is done, and that's been a phased opening. And so, even for folks who have been here, say just sen- who haven't been here since Thanksgiving, uh, we've had two separate. Kind of phased openings there where walls have moved and now we have emeralds brasserie open and uh, people come in and they're like i was just here yesterday and uh yeah but when a construction wall comes down it opens up everything that was behind it right and it's uh it's it's just been a home run the the public reception's been great and uh you know we're excited to show it off this weekend all of the texas and washington fans
2: absolutely and um so samir Obviously, this started out as about a $325 million commitment for the capital budget here. It's now grown to $430 million, uh, over a $100 million increase uh, in what's being uh, spent here, which is just a huge commitment, uh, obviously, to the city and and to the local economy.
3: Yeah, so look, ultimately, the original deal we made was pre-COVID. And that was to extend our lease, and that was what we think thought it was going to take at the time. And uh, uh, the world has changed since then from uh, from an investment, from an inflation perspective, all of those things. And uh, in addition to that, we've changed uh, a little bit in terms of what we want to get out of it. we brought on new partners. Part of that increased investment speaks to what we're going to be doing upstairs with uh, – with the group Spiegel World who has the absinth, Absinthe show at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas mm-hmm. with us. And, uh, and you add all that up. And then the other part is, is uh, you know, in our industry and in a lot of businesses, when you're building something, you hear about veing or value engineering where right. you're trying to stick to that budget. And you talk about Caesars Entertainment's commitment to New Orleans and, and where they think New Orleans is going as we continue to fight back from, uh, from that COVID dip. Uh, it was about doing it right as opposed to hitting the budget. And, uh, and that's how we ended up at that number. And I'm proud of the fact, as a, as a local, as I know you know this, but I like to brag about it, the first GM of Harris, New Orleans, actually born and raised here. Born uh, and raised
2: in New Orleans and a Jesuit grad. Uh,
3: and a Jesuit grad. <laughs> shout out to the Blue Jays. Uh, uh, Tommy Tucker pointed that out, I, by the way. <laughs> I know people get tired of us pointing it out. But, uh, but, but that being said, it, it's exciting to know that... Uh, that our company's so committed, and uh, our employees know it, and hopefully the community knows it as well.
2: Absolutely, um, new hotel as well, and, yep. and uh, it's funny because I mean it's really moving along. Uh, I was I was talking to one of your folks uh, earlier this morning, and he said he, he was up on the top yep. floor. The views are stunning, uh, according to him, and I'm sure they are
3: no question so we're uh, we're going to be 340 hotel rooms 35 suites uh two floors of it will be a nobu tower it's 14 levels mm-hmm. uh 15 floors no 13 of course especially right. in a the <laughs> casino world right and uh and we were up there last week uh, i had been up there a few times before but we've got the whole team up there and when you get to the corner uh to the canal street corner where uh on that end you've got glass it's all floor to ceiling glass and on one side you're looking out at the point of the river and across uh between the four seasons and the aquarium and uh you look to your left and you're looking straight up canal street and uh it's it's what i think is one of the more awesome views in uh in the entire city and uh, uh those suites uh you know that they're going to be hard to come by They're a, a lot for our gamblers and then on top of that uh we will, we will be using some new strategy now that we have so much inventory where folks will be able to purchase those. And we're just, uh, we're just really excited for what the Caesars Tower is gonna bring to New Orleans. We'll have it all done by Labor Day, as I mentioned. And so you think about next football season and Super Bowl uh, and what all that means to not only our business, but to the entire city. And uh, we look forward to being a cornerstone of what's happening down here.
2: So much happening in such a, uh, a short period of time uh, too. I mean, uh, the execution of this has to be, it, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you're tired of the meetings.
3: <laughs> there is no doubt that it's added a whole nother layer of, uh, of coordination. And uh, you know, for, for folks that know me, I'm a guy that I like to get out on the floor. I like to walk around. I like to talk to our employees. I like to talk to our guests. And I've been complaining for about the last year. I'm doing way too much. <laughs> office work. I am fortunate that we have a great project management team. And so they help drive everything forward. But at the end of the day, uh, not only am am I responsible for the the project that's going on, but more importantly, we're going to be operating it when it's done. And so the more we get into the weeds and and address stuff now to make it right, the more we're going to be able to wow our guests and execute once we get everything open. But uh, it's a Look, it's 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 an awesome opportunity. I've never been I've, I've done lots of construction and capital projects in my career, but but nothing uh, anywhere near this scale and it's yeah, been the, fun.
2: the magnitude of this. What what is the big what are the biggest challenges of, of this entertainment industry? I know that you know the, the traditional Las Vegas model constantly changing. I mean, people talk about it. We look back and it seemed as though it was static. I doubt that it ever was. It's always been very dynamic, but it seems to be more dynamic now than it's ever been.
3: Well, no question. And part of it is, is when we came into the, so so you've been seeing what we're trying to do happen here in New Orleans. You've been seeing it happen in Vegas for easily the last 10 years, where uh, anybody paying attention knows that uh, now, non-gaming revenue outpaces gaming, gaming revenue right. in Las Vegas, and you know the nature of how we were built here in New Orleans, if you go back to the temporary casino and then the, the license that we were given by the state and some of the parameters that we had to operate under, they made sense at the time, they made sure we protected all of the surrounding hoteliers and restaurateurs and businesses, but the city has exploded over the last 23 years, right? right. And, uh, And so for us, it's been about evolving to be as much about non-gaming as we are about gaming. We're still gonna have all of the slots, tables, poker. We've added, uh, I think the thing we're most proud about is the thing we opened first, which is right behind us here, this fabulous sports book, right? Right. And, uh, but at the same time, it's about now Emerald's Brasserie, uh, our first, Uh, our first partnership with Chef Emeril and his team, and and really just bringing a whole nother level of of shouting to all of the, especially the regional and national guests, like we're a destination, right? Mm -hmm. And we're a place that lots of people stopped when they came to New Orleans, but I think what we're evolving to, we're gonna be adding the Nobu Restaurant. Two floors of our hotel will be the Nobu Hotel, and uh, that's really gonna be, I can't wait to show you those rooms when they come online. they're on a whole another aesthetic and uh, the, the Nobu team is really just focused in on the customer experience on a way that, that we certainly identify with at Caesars. And uh, you add all that in and it's about making us a regional and nas- national destination where even when it's slow during the summer, people are going to want to say, we want to visit Caesars New Orleans.
2: The Caesars brand, is Harris brand and all of the subsidiary companies to uh, Caesars, is is almost like a Marriott Hilton now, right? I mean, because Absolutely. of all the properties that y'all have, I mean, you're spread out a, a, across a lot of geography.
3: No question. It, like you're, you're setting me up perfectly because that was what I would have talked about next is the idea of the brand change, right? Mm-hmm. And we've acquired and built enough brands over the years where we're able to put a brand where we think it fits in the, in the community that we're operating. And, Look, 23 years ago, or going back to the temporary casino, even before that, the Harris brand fit perfectly. The Harris brand was a Mardi Gras theme. It was our first casino entry into New Orleans. It's gonna help you, uh, you know, mesh with the culture. But 23 years later, it's about the Caesars brand and bringing our best brand to, you know, of course I biasly think the best city. And, and it's about making us more of a national destination where you go outside of the United States, nobody really knows what Harris is. Everybody in the world knows what Caesar's is. And right. with international flights now, uh, with uh, you know, we want to attract some of that business that's coming to Vegas, here to New Orleans, uh, that's coming from uh, Asia, that's coming from Europe. This brand will let us do that and it'll help us grow our footprint in the city and, if I'm being practical also, it'll help us justify our investment here to bring in that much uh, that much more business to 10. And really
2: what's emblematic of that is what happened in Vegas as it relates to the affiliation with Nobu there that's been a huge success no in question. carrying that
3: here. No question. So the first Nobu hotel was in Las Vegas. Uh, certainly not the first Nobu restaurant, but that right. restaurant opened and was fabulously successful, which is why we decided to partner with them on the hotel. And when we looked what that hotel has done there, and now for us also in Atlantic City, we have a Nobu Tower, Uh, it just made perfect sense to bring that brand here knowing that we'd be able to bring that level of customer to town.
2: And and what it means for us and our local economy is that obviously you guys have a data bank of loyal customers that, that are international in nature and flavor and otherwise. Um, that this is one of the destinations that they want to come to, and as a tourist economy, uh, it's huge for us. It's a big plus.
3: No question. And as our database has grown both locally and nationally, another reason for this uh, hotel tower is because of the fact that we also have a strong, loyal uh, n- uh, local database, and uh, we want to we want to be able to cater to them as well. And our hotel was honestly too small. And mm-hmm. It hurts when you tell a local you can't give them a room because you know when we say local, like Mandeville's local, you don't want to yeah. drive back and forth. Right. Uh, Absolutely, you know even Kenner, wherever, right? And uh, this is going to let us hopefully be all of those things to all of those people, oh. and not only show our loyalty to the the regional and national crowd, but also to be able to double down with uh, with our local guests as well. But there
2: are certain hallmarks that every city kind of presents itself for, you know, in different sectors of of the economy. And even within, you've worked in the hospitality industry forever. No question. And you know that those, you want to excel in each one of those individual little nuanced sectors within hospitality.
3: Absolutely, and look, that's the key to success. And it's also about here, our marketing team is incredible uh, in terms of their nimbleness and the fact that they know how to do, look, this weekend's a perfect example. It's New Year's Eve, it's also the Sugar Bowl. Yep. We're going to have tons of locals down here celebrating New Year's Eve and, and that whole celebration. We have a whole separate group of guests coming in. Uh, a lot of Texas, a little bit of Washington, obviously the geography matters right, there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we have programming that's completely different for those t- two groups. And that's what you need to do to be successful in New Orleans. Mardi Gras, for our local guests, means something completely different than it does to our national guests. To our local guests, it means getting on a balcony downtown or in the quarter. To our national guests, it means getting a hotel room and being able to go anywhere they want. And uh, and so that's what all of this does, and it, it's really going to just offer more for everyone. Absolutely. Final thoughts? Uh, you know what, we're just excited to, to be Cranking along with this project and and moving towards Labor Day weekend, uh, the team here, our our employees, are the ones who are most excited about it, and uh, and they're the ones that we're proud to represent, and uh, and and we're just looking forward to doing big things here uh, over the course of the next nine months. We'll have y'all out for grand opening Labor Day weekend.
2: Well, congratulations on on everything that y'all have gone on here. I mean, it's it really has been seamless i think you know at (laughs) least from my perspective i'm sure it's not from your perspective But once you get by these holidays, I hope you're able to join us on our annual deer hunt. Uh, <laughs> you year.
3: know what? You know what? If I don't make the hunt, I'll definitely make the dinner on the back end. i will never miss that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you. we appreciate it, and Happy New Year to all Same y'all. Same to you, man. Thank you Thanks, so much Newell. for
2: joining us. Samir Moat, Senior Vice President and GM of Caesars New Orleans. We are broadcasting live here at the Caesars Sportsbook, the last show of 2023. What a great place to bring in. 2024 as well come on by and see all of the exciting development that's going on down here if you hadn't been in a while i'm going to tell you it is a jaw dropper you're going to walk in and you're just going to be amazed uh, by how welcoming this is and how different it is from uh, its previous presentation. So come on by. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let in. Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional terms apply.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: Welcome back, folks. We are broadcasting live. here from Caesars, New Orleans. Our next guest, Colonel Alex Gann, retired uh, colonel and fighter pilot for the Israeli Air Force, now living in a small village in northern Israel. We've had the the pleasure and the opportunity to visit with him on several occasions to kind of get a boots-on-the-ground perspective of what's going on. Colonel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good evening. So, Colonel, if you would... uh, what are, we, what are you seeing? What are you feeling uh, there most recently? There seems to be a lot of different changes in the complexion of the war. It's not only just about Hamas any, any longer. I understand that things are heating up on the northern uh, border with Lebanon uh, and Hezbollah.
5: Yes, it is. Well, it's never been only Hamas. Because uh, basically who's behind this whole thing is uh, Iran and uh, when iran gets into the fight so we have attacks from hamas and we have from hezbollah and we have uh, firing from syria and we have uh, uh, drones coming in from iraq and from uh, yemen from the houthis and iran itself is firing at ships in the indian ocean so uh, yeah it's interesting around here
2: so what is the mood of the public? I mean, what's being reported here in the United States is that the, the mood is shifting, that uh, Netanyahu is, is, um, is not very popular, quite frankly, and, and whatever popularity, they, what's being reported here, they say, is waning. And there's a lot of conflict internally uh, amongst the different factions of the Israeli government.
5: Yes, it's correct. I would would, uh, divide it into into two. First of all is is the the public's attitude uh, towards the war itself and what's happened here is uh, a full uh, uh, unity of of the nation, actually. Everybody is in it. Everybody is doing its best and people are volunteering and people are doing a lot of, a lot of uh, tasks eventually at the government does we do. I, I think, if I will uh, try to give an example, it's how I think the American people felt after Pearl Harbor, something like that. You got a, mm-hmm. a, a, a surprise attack and the whole nation got together and you, you went into war. The second half, which is not connected, is the internal politics. Uh, toward uh, Netanyahu. Le- Netanyahu uh, really, uh, 80% of the people believe he should be out. The question is when. It's about 50% say now, and the other 30% say, OK, let's finish this uh, this war and, and get it over with. But uh, everybody discusses with him, most of the people are disgusted with him. We think he's doing a, a, a terrible job government is terrible. It's not functioning the way it should be. And uh, our our big, uh oh, it's not luck, but our big fortune is the people of Israel, who know how to get together, who know how to how to fight, who know how to uh, take care of themselves and take care of each other. So among the people, there's a large uh, sense of the uh, sympathy. Uh, unity and
2: um, and carrying the burden together. How does that translate? I mean, obviously, I guess it's fair to characterize that Israel is right now a wartime government, right? Um, has that dis- has that caused the the populace? Uh, confusion as, as, as to what the strategy is going to be with both dealing with Hamas and Hezbollah and Fatah well, and uh, in the West
5: okay. Bank? I, I, I'll divide it again. We have what, what's called the War Cabinet. The War Cabinet is five people uh, and basically we had uh, uh, Benny Gantz who is the head of the, the, one of the big parties now in Israel and another guy Coming in with him, who both of them were chiefs and staff in their past. So, they, then with Netanyahu and Gallant, who is the uh, <coughs> minister of security, they form the, the, the war cabinet. So, they take the, the decisions and they function, you can say, in a reasonable uh, way. The, the rest of the government. We have an unbelievable. We never had such a big government because of the politics of the parties involved. So we have about 36 ministers. Most of them actually are not responsible for nothing. They just waste public money. Everybody is angry about it, and they form the the wider cabinet. And they have a lot of uh, arguments among themselves on how to deal with with this uh, war. And in the meantime. We have uh, the politics are not ceasing uh, and, and quiet as we hoped they would be in wartime because Netanyahu eventually is the one who is stirring out the politics, worried about the day after the war, what will happen with him. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big chaos. Uh, for instance, we have now, uh, as you know, in the past year, this, this terrible government we had tried to make a lot of changes in the judicial system. Uh, and some of them were very problematic with the Israeli democracy. And eventually we have two main uh, rules which were accepted by the Knesset and were not on the front of the Supreme Court. And they were supposed to be published in, uh, in two weeks and uh, they will most likely will not be in the favor of Netanyahu's government, so it will be another chaos. So it's chaos over chaos over chaos. It's interesting, and complicated.
2: So really, there's a there's an internal political war going on in this external war with Hamas. Exactly. What, what, what is what is the feeling of of the public relative to? I know a lot of the international partners to Israel are, I guess. Quite frankly, demanding uh, ceasefire, pause, whatever you want to call it, right now, humanitarian pause. Um, where, where do where do where do Israelis stand on that issue?
5: Well, I think I think excuse me. Sorry, I got a little cold. Um, well, uh, we we look at uh, our allies and. Uh, most of them surprisingly are very quiet on the political side the european governments are quiet they're not condemning us uh, too much Uh, they see what's happening they see what's happening to the the boats uh, that can go cannot uh, go through the straits in the uh, in the red sea they see what iran is doing and uh, they're actually praying that we succeed because they know uh, what's waiting for them with the with the Islam uh, world going on? The pop- the, what the people in the streets are demonstrating in Europe or in the States? That's a different story. Uh, so you know we're used to not being popular. We used to. We know what uh, you know. When we're looking back, so we understand where it comes from. Uh, and basically, all this uh, incitement was was built up over the years. But you see, uh, I forgot the phrase people say "They're They are useful idiots. People don't understand at all what they're, what they're uh, demonstrating against. But uh, that's it. But we're not, we're not too worried about it. We are, we are entering, uh, allowing entrance of, of uh, humanitarian aid to Gaza for three main reasons. The first one is that we believe, you know, it's just They're not all terrorists. And people, uh, they should not uh, starve because uh, because of that. And we believe that's the first reason. That's, that, that is really a, a philosophy of how to deal people in war. So we will not let them die of hunger. The second reason for humanitarian aid is that we're afraid that the diseases will, will erupt over there. And eventually, if you have diseases and plagues and whatever, it will spill over the border and, and jeopardize our people and our communities. And the third thing is the pressure that we get from, from the international world uh, that, yes, yes, says we should help them. On the other hand, you know, people are saying here, if there's a humanitarian, why there's no humanitarian on our side? Why are our kidnapped people over there have not been visited once by the Red Cross Why have they not been given their their medical aid that we sent over there to them? So that's the other side of the coin. So there are many people who who are against the humanitarian aid, but eventually uh, it will continue to flow in. It will.
2: Do you find it it's irritating to um, the folks of Israel when... Hamas won't even engage in a in a proof of life exercise in order to let families know whether or not their loved ones are even alive or not.
5: Yes, it's, and you know, but that's part of that's Hamas. You saw, you could see the atrocities on October seventh, what they did to people. Only now we see that some of the of the of the facts are are seeping out slowly. Uh, about what happened, you know, with rape, raping young women and then and, and butchering their babies, but that's Hamas. So, uh, and they don't care about anybody else's feelings or thoughts, and they don't care about the law, and they don't, uh, frankly they don't care about their own people.
2: I mean, in some respect, uh, a number of writers here, mostly conservative writers in the United States, even talk about the fact that. Uh, does Hamas really even like Palestinians? Uh, you know, they hoard millions of dollars of aid, uh, hoard millions of dollars of investment for their own purposes. Um, when you see the breadth and depth of the the uh, the tunnels and, and that huge labyrinth of tunnels that are running uh, through Gaza, uh, you know as well as I, that's not cheap. And it seems to me that they consumed... Uh, almost all of the dollars that have been given from the international um, uh, internationally to the Palestinian population was spent on defense of Hamas.
5: Yes, it's true. But you you think as Westerners, and you have to understand that the way of thinking of the of the Palestinians and the Arabs, and especially Hamas, Hamas is a religious group. And, and the religious and the belief that the, the, the Jews should be destroyed, et cetera, et cetera, that's a religious belief. And when you deal with religion, that's the most important thing there is. And that's why they don't care about anything else. But actually, you can see that under, you know, <laughs> they enjoy the life of a luxurious life in, in Qatar, their leaders. They enjoy that. And they really don't care about their people. They really don't. You can see now, we see it every day, the way that a humanitarian aid comes into uh, to Gaza and Hamas robs it. You know, they have people with guns, they climb on the trucks and they, they drive away all the, the Gaza people. And most of it, a lot, not say most of it, but a great deal of it goes to Hamas. And everybody knows it and, they, and nobody says anything about it.
2: Very little reporting here in the United States about that. Very little information being provided by the Red Cross relative to the seizure of, of this aid that's there. I agree with you. I think most people the realize Cross, it, yeah, recognize sorry. it, but no one seems to want to talk about it. Why is that?
5: The Red The Red Cross is a disgrace. at a disgrace. The way that they, their attitude which is, you know, we t- we'll take care of the poor Palestinians, but we don't give a damn about the Israelis and what happened to them. Uh, for us, it shows who, who they really are. They, they're really hypocrites. They really uh, say, ah, okay, we know that you suffered, et cetera, et cetera, But, and now the but is, you can see where their attention is. They really didn't put any pressure whatsoever on the Hamas to see uh, our hostages over there. They say, no, we can't do it, we're, we're not allowed. It's not in our jurisdiction. They never put any statement condemning this behavior by the Hamas. The Red Cross is really, again, it's, it's a, well, the way it's performing in the Middle East is a disgrace. And so, and also, the UN is the same.
2: Yeah. But the UN. No. I, I would agree. We're, uh, we're talking with Colonel Alex Gann, retired um, uh, colonel and fighter pilot for the Israeli Air Force. Last question, if you don't mind. For me, as more is revealed about um, kind of the underbelly of both Hamas, Hezbollah, Fatah, and, and some of the other splinter terrorist groups, I I I don't have a clear picture. I, it's really clouded for me as to how we get to a two-state solution. Are Israelis even talking about that?
5: Well, Israelis are still talking about it, but it's very very complicated, and it becomes more and more uh, frustrating uh, to deal with it. You know, it's uh, it's the people who are the most supportive of the of the refugees in Gaza were the Israelis and the kibbutzim living next to Gaza. Mm-hmm. They, get, they, they employed them, they took them to medical care in Israel, all their children and everybody they used to take care of them, uh, support them, donate money to them. They believed in, in good uh, neighbors and friendship. And now that everything blew up in their face, it's very hard. And we see the same thing happening in, in the, the West Bank. Uh, it will, it will, it will. I believe uh, it will take time. It still can happen, but it needs the whole, the brute force of the United States, Europe, and the moderate Arab countries to be, get involved. And to put the Palestinians are always sure that they'll be back. By the by, the Arab people, the Palestinians—they have no income. They're, they're, it's a nation which lives by donations.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. And and, uh, and and once you understand that this, they'll cut off your line of of money, and you better start working and building up your country. Then maybe we can start dreaming of a of a future. And and this is—it's very hard. It's very difficult with all the incitement. You know, when now we see the books that they teach in, we see what the what the children are learning. We see—it's terrible. Yeah. You know, and and behind that is Iran, with its religious uh, belief, and Qatar with its money, which which is pouring in billions of dollars into this incitement uh, system. And also in the U.S. in the universities, yeah, That's Qatar with the money. And if you will not stop it over there, then you'll get the religious people, the Islam, the, the, the extreme Islam, rising up in the United States, uh, burning your flag, in the, and you never never know what will what will follow that.
2: No doubt, for sure, it's so, going to be an issue uh, that we that we all going to have to deal with. Colonel Alex Hand, thank you, you so right. much you for have to wake up. Everybody yep. has to wake up. No, no deal. No doubt. Um, excuse yeah. me. I apologize. Colonel Alex Gann, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time, your insight, uh, you, your family, and and uh, all of those in Israel In our thoughts and prayer. And um, we wish you the best. I know this had to have been a tough holiday season for, for everyone. And hopefully we get to yeah. s- some clearer picture at some time, sometime soon. Thank you again.
5: Yep. I still want to, yeah, again, thank you as, as our supporters over the sea. Uh, we really appreciate it in these hard times. And uh, that, thank you, too, and have a happy holidays to all of you.
2: Yeah, thank you, sir. It, it's, it is our pleasure. Best of luck. We will be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Open Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. We're broadcasting live from the Caesars Sportsbook inside of Caesars New Orleans. Come on by. There's a lot of activity here, a lot of folks flowing around. You can, you can begin to feel the Sugar Bowl crowd coming in. You're beginning to see uh, that I saw a guy in shorts, cowboy boots, and a cowboy hat earlier walking, down, uh, walking out of the casino, and it's 40 degrees outside. So things, things, I guess, are heating up or cooling down, not sure which. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
6: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
2: Folks, just a reminder, we invite you to ring in the New Year at NOLA New Year's Eve Fireworks. Join us as uh, spectacular fireworks light up the midnight sky along the New Orleans historic riverfront, East and West banks. You can start your New Year's Eve celebration with the Allstate Sugar Bowl Parade. It's going to roll right through the quarter. At 2.30 that afternoon, explore the French Quarter, bars, shops, museums, local clubs, or you can come right here to Caesars. They've got a full lineup here. Explore our French... Um, you, uh, you get also the countdown to midnight and the fleur de lead drop atop the Jack's Brewery Condominiums. <laughs> Followed, obviously, by a world-class fireworks show. And then New Year's Day, catch um, the 90th annual All-State Sugar Bowl Football Classic with a kickoff at 7.45. No better way to usher in 2024 than the tradition of the traditional Florida Lee drop, made possible by the generosity of New Orleans and Company and Nolan New Year's, e- New Year's Ever fireworks show, produced by the Crescent City Countdown Club in partnership with the Mayor's Office of Cultural Economy. New Orleans Tourism and the Cultural Fund. lot going on. All-State Sugar Bowls involved. The Burger and Tiller families. French Quarter Festivals and J&M displays. Got to be there. Or you can stream the fireworks live on WWL.com and WWL Radio Facebook. And it's great that they're able to uh, be able to do that. Again, it's creating a lot of energy down here. It's a great opportunity to come down and enjoy yourself in the quarter. Stay with us. We'll be right back folks we are broadcasting live the last show of 2023 we're here at caesar's new orleans right outside the caesar sportsbook come by tell us hello big crowds moving through here now you can kind of feel the excitement of the sugar bowl just beginning to mount our next guest rob brown vp of casino operations caesar new orleans we'll talk about the caesar sportsbook the viewing opportunities for upcoming bowls and NFL games Uh, we'll get his favorite picks of the weekend we'll put him on the spot and we'll just see uh, how much he knows about this technology over here in this sports book as well and uh, we want to get one of these screens in our den Luke does anyway (laughs) we'll see we'll see what the real cost is of all of that and whether or not we're going to be able to pull that off a lot of great information coming your way we're also going to visit with Jeff Hundley CEO of Allstate Sugar Bowl and Mike Haas, Voice of the Saints, must win on Sunday. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better